Are you going to clap again? Is <laughs> <laughs> that the other run? I'm going, Joe. Um, do you want to intro this one? Or to, hey, to, go, I mean, no, I, you go for it. Do your thing. I'll, 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 I'll do it. Okay, I'm going to clap. There it is. <laughs> I've clapped. Everybody knows what the clap means because it's the ongoing joke. Because that's when we start the podcast. Welcome to Wood Air Metal, episode 30. Today we have another incredible interview. This has been like interview central for a while, and it's fantastic. This Picking into everybody's brains and so on. Last week we had Spiritual Agenda, and this week we have Matt Hallenberg. 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 See, I always screw it up. I gotta keep that going. That's gonna be. I'm now. I'm intentionally going to do it. Or will I? I'll try not to, and that's when I screw it up. Uh, it's uh, it's never ending. It's late. I'm tired. I didn't sleep at all last night, really. But oh, whatever. Enough about me. It doesn't matter because Matt's here from Cleric, and if you haven't listened to Cleric, you haven't lived. Oh. I'm just going to put that out there. And, and that's oh, just what okay. we, we were talking uh, right before you that's got awesome. on, Matt. Just Adam's like, geez, Matt might, might be like the most prolific guitarist on the planet. Because um, I think we, we got your link for how many albums you've been on. It's like 46, 47, something like that. I think so, yeah. And there's even some missing from that Discogs. That the Discogs thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some missing off there, too. But, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's hard for me to comprehend that, too, because I don't think I even realized that until, like, a few weeks ago when I looked at it. <laughs> it's just, just like, it's almost like you just keep climbing up a mountain and you just... It, like, when you're done with something, it just falls off the mountain and you're just going to the next thing. And you don't yeah. even see there's like a huge pile get growing <laughs> you know uh, but no i'm proud of all of that and uh i i i still in this weird way feel like i haven't even formed yet i feel like the main thing hasn't happened yet which is yeah. maybe sounds strange but uh that's just genuinely how i feel I, I don't know i feel like that's all prep for something that's the main thing like it hasn't arced out i might be delusional car- carving I don't the path for it or something yeah yeah, I mean, it seems like it's still building up from my perspective. So it's forty-two, at least on the. Um, oh, is it? If I'm remembering right from. Yeah, which I mean is a great number for all of those uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> so that the also Matt's never, actually the so answer to it. the universe. Yeah. No, we've hit it, folks, right here on the podcast. No. So, yeah. all right, so Matt. How long have you been playing? You know, like, uh, when did you start? Let's start with the easy stuff first. Well, music in general, I started at like age six and I played piano first. Um, and the, you know, I was like, every kid I was just, was filling my schedule at the time. And then I remember hearing uh, this Albanese piece, Astorius, mm-hmm. at this uh, funeral. 
And I was just completely mesmerized and hypnotized. And maybe that was the first time I really experienced sort of a trance thing with music is at a young age. Did it, do you hear and it I on went, piano or guitar? Uh, piano. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And I went home and uh, figured it out by ear, like most of the piece without the score. And, uh, and I kind of got, into this weird uh you know a lot of musicians know what i'm talking about right it's just that this that trance place of like non-time yeah like you're so hooked into the time that the the normal human perception of time kind of melts away and you're just like i think that that was the first time that ex i had that experience um so but then it's weird i feel like piano overall maybe was a little too dry for me you know, sonically, and just because it was, you had to sit there, your posture had to be very specific. You know, I felt very uh, controlled on piano. So, uh, you know, once I discovered rock music, and honestly, when grunge came out when I was in middle school, like I just genuinely wanted to play guitar to get that guitar distortion sound. Because at the, right. like, it wasn't like a, old hat thing at that point i'd never heard anything like it it was like the coolest thing ever that sort of sludgy grunge sound mm -hmm. so that's when i started playing guitar maybe like seventh eighth grade but that kind of there was a weird that was kind of on a lag too because when I, the first guitar i got was the, the the it was like the steel string acoustic that was fifty dollars at a flea, flea market and the strings were like three oh, inches off the fretboard yeah, right. and yeah. it really hurts to play anything so I just didn't play for the first year. And then I remember I finally got an electric guitar and I like stayed home from school one day and I figured out tab from this online site. And I was playing along with some bands I liked just along with the drummer. And the first time I experienced playing along with the drummer as a guitarist, I was just like obsessed from that moment. And, um, you know, and then I went through like just normal stuff kids played at the time, you know, like, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, Deftones, Tool. That was kind of right out of the gate. And then later it got into like the 70s stuff, you know, like like Zappa, you know, uh, Hendrix, Zeppelin, you know, Mahavishnu, Return to Forever, you know, uh, and then, and then from there, it got into like the avant-garde. And then by that point, it's like college. And then I'm doing my own music. And then, uh, and then another really formative experience that I think lodged all these albums just uh, is is this Warped Tour experience. The second time around, really solidified my utter like disinterest in any sort of mainstream path with music. Uh, because I may be between, like, it's weird to think of a band like Cleric playing Warp Tour. It makes literally no sense. But we had this weird hookup. So before we were even basically a band, we were on Warp Tour before we even had a CD or had played a show All as right. a four-piece. Uh, and that, that, that 2003 tour went well, as weird as we were. We were trying to be like a mix of Phantomas and Meshuga basically, and Pandiria, and it went really well uh, by the end of that tour. And then 2004, I think maybe I had the illusions of like, I'll just do this and that, and like, you can be on one of those big stages, and then you'll just be on these tours, and it doesn't matter how weird it is. And it just didn't work out that way. 
And uh, I just started to notice all these things that, you know, are obviously pretty obvious. You know, these, these bands just care more about their, their hair and they don't, they're not really into composition for its own sake. It's more about like a image that's projected. I mean, all that's obvious, but I just realized that if that was what a band was, I just was really like over it. And I was already, you know, I was only 20. So I was already cynical, you know what I mean? So that is, at that point I started discovering all this avant-garde stuff and I realized that's really what I wanted to do. Um, and that from that point is when all these albums started to happen. And then I realized like the better I got at improv, which is not something I focused on before then, you know, the, the easier it was to compose. So I started focusing on improv like way more, even if I wasn't gonna like have solos and a song it was just just to write just to be able to write uh and that's very different than than a lot of metal punk musicians who are just have no idea what improvising is they don't do it period uh and i i just became focused on improv as like what i focused on when i play by myself and yeah i think it just made it more of an exploratory thing less of like a marketing plan you know if you just take like a rock band model of like the early 2000s, it's like there's just these scenes, you know, and you're like, you're in a scene and, and it has its rules. Even if it seems like it's a rebellion, it's not really a rebellion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think what I really liked about the avant-garde is even if the pe not every musician was really popular, they were just completely naked and distinct in themselves, even if like no one cared. I, I started to realize that like I preferred that to like just filling in a template that a million people had done before. It's almost like going to Six Flags, you're just getting on a you know a, a roller coaster ride or something. It's like you know how it's going to end, and I'm interested in the stuff where you don't even know where it's like what the precedent is. You know, I mean that's what I'm searching for. I'm not saying that's everything I've done. I don't think it's always getting to that point but that's what's motivating me and i think that's different than what's motivating someone that's just like trying to get bigger on warp tour trying to just play the music industry game it's just very boring isn't it like i don't, I don't know that's just where yeah, I, man, I got i mean i totally, already, already I totally get you. yeah just at the age of 20 i was already at this point so and it's from there to now it's just maniacal like manic output of albums you know, and I'm right. still telling you, it's like, I'm not, nah, there's a bunch I got to do. You know, it's like, I'm kind of crazy, right? Like, what is that? It's like, well, I think when you base composition off improv, it doesn't really end. When you base it off like a finite marketing plan and branding, it's very like linear and it goes, and it's just set and, the, and that's the end. So it's like, it is honestly like, what you, why do you even need three albums in a way? You know, you kind of just yeah, need right. two albums. I mean, I know that's maybe crazy, but it gets me to that point and where I think it, when it's improv based and anything could happen and some of the best stuff, you know, once I got more recording too, some of the best stuff recorded is when there's no plan, you know, and shit just happens and you, you like the player can be even confused right. when it's happening. And some of that stuff is the best. And they're like, but I didn't even know what I was doing. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it's, a, it's perfect. It's a mystical quality about it. All that stuff starts to come into the into your mind, but when you're just setting in a production template, pop punk, metalcore, deathcore, <laughs> whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like like indie folk, folk freak, 
black metal, new black metal, like whatever. You know, it's just it's literally gets to a point where it's like LARPing mixed with production templates, you know, and, and I, I really don't like that. I, I don't oh, yeah. want to quantize my music. I don't want to set it, attach it to a style, like like a fashion style. Like a, a music style is one thing, but so all that stuff's in my mind basically. Uh <laughs> And it's been since the age of 20 or 21 because of that 2004 experience where I just got really disillusioned and angry because I wanted to do music, but I was just so confused. So it's just this anger almost forced that kind of path, if you want to be honest. And it didn't really seem too much about playing guitar at that point. It was like half about playing guitar, you know? But I so I guess, like, man, then I guess when I met Zorn... Oh yeah, I'm going on and on. I'm no, sorry. no, it's cool. Oh, you're good. It's yeah, well, I, yeah. let me let me butt so in for it, a second, it, which was, um, so I've known I've known you since like probably like 2000, <laughs> I think, because I yeah definitely I moved to New York yeah, in 2000, yeah, and sure. so part of yeah. cleric is I, I knew Nick and um, Larry um, before I moved to New York. And so, uh, anyway, I guess one thing that always struck me about you, and it's still the same the same deal, and it's like no surprise at all that you have forty two albums. Is um, cleric obviously has grown up with you too, because all the phases like from third rail, I think it was wasn't it third rail for a little bit, yeah, yeah. to cleric to you know to where it is today. Um, Along that time, though, you always had other projects going on. Like, you seem like the type of person that's like, "Hey, man, I got this idea for a project. Would you be interested in doing it?" And I, I think generally, at least maybe at least previously, it was like, "Yeah, let's 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 try it. Let's see what happens." Um, I guess can you can you talk to that at all? Is that is that really what it is? Are you are you kind of like, okay, that sounds like an interesting thing. I I just want to do it and see what happens. Or yes. Well, well, it's that mixed with like, well, it, it's weird. I'm motivated by that mixed with like, if some, if the situation makes me uncomfortable or reticent or tentative or, or doubt myself in any way, I'd be like, can I really do this? You know, um, I remember, I, I mean, multiple, like I just had Cleric and then I met uh, Matt Buckley and, and who had this other band, which was more in like a hardcore botch converge vein and he was a drummer and his sense of phrasing phrasing and rhythm was completely different in mine to the point that it almost like intimidated me and so that was what i wanted to do i wanted to play guitar with him because i never played guitar out, yeah. with a rhythm guitar thing yeah yeah i wanted to figure it out exactly i wanted to get that language i got that language for sure um like i you know i'm not going to write riffs like that anymore but like the, it became a part of my style overall Right. And then, you know, I remember also a similar thing when Infinity formed, it was really the first bass player, Justin Carney's idea. Like the language was really his idea. So he, well, he used five, six note chords, polyrhythms. So the whole thing's just oscillating, but it won't have distortion. It'll be all clean guitar. It'll be like really lush, like this lush oscillating world, you know? And I was like, man, I'm really intimidated by you because I don't play clean guitar. I just play metal. And like, I don't play jazz solos. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to change the key. Like I was just a noob, but just from, you know, yeah. working with him and writing songs with him, 
got his language, you know, and he taught me all these weird jazz chords that be, I like learned those tonalities, like the sharp five major seven world, which I would never play playing botch music, but now I actually have a context for like improvising. I could just set down on as, as a drone and actually feel like yeah. I'm comfortable in there. Whereas like, you know, before meeting him, I don't know what that is. You know, and right. then and then you know the final boss level is Zorn and deciphering his fucking alien scores <laughs> of, that do make sense after you're used to it. But that's like going to college. It's just like all the albums I've done now, fourteen records. They all came from these scribble scores, jazz script micro scores, and you know I have to figure it all out and figure out the ergodynamics and understand it, not just be able to play it, but understand what it is and like. Like I didn't understand the nested tuplet world or hockets or any of the weird minimal shit that he, none of, none of that was. And then you know doing simulacrum is like and just some Zorn stuff. Like that's a lot of where he's coming from. So now I'm I'm hip to that. So it's just like you know it's it's about building a language. And I guess that's where like you know the commerce shit where it's like I'm in a band to achieve this in my scene. It's a closed system, right? Where you're like seeking to accumulate language and knowledge that's an open system but if it's like i need to market you know and dominate it, it's like that's that's a, that's a foregone conclusion there's no there's it's closed in itself uh that's the main thing i feel like i learned from people that i've learned from is 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 it's really about like looking outwardly and and you know it, it, as soon as all these like weird convoluted ideas come in that come in from the scenes or honestly music schools sometimes or just society in general it just gets in the way like really bad and there it doesn't do anything and you know it is a rough time to be making music but i think if you're motivated by exploration then there's a lot left to do you know even if it doesn't seem like it uh <laughs> i don't know if that answers the question but yeah i'm basically motivated by making the big the language overall uh more grand and large so if i feel like i can learn something from anyone i'll, I'll play with them i'll do a cd with them you know i like a year or two ago i got to play with longstreth john longstreth from origin and gorguts a little bit and we jam a little bit and uh nice. he's just unbelievable but just you know our rhythm styles are very different and so they complement each other, but they also freak each other. We freak each other out when we're improvising. So it's just really fun to play together. I don't know if that'll ever metastasize into like an actual CD, but we set the seed for a relationship. And I've already learned just from the little bit I've played with him, I've already feel like I've, I've learned a little bit. Um, and, you know, anyone that I feel like will elevate me and, and challenge me and push me and, you know, so maybe it's just, just about like being in situations you don't feel comfortable. So like I was always just attracted to things that would maybe I didn't I was questioning whether I'd be able to do it. Right. You know, and I, I would try to look for those situations and like, you know, if I had intense instinctual fear and be like, you're not, you know, you have no business doing this or that kind of thought, like I would just do it. I would like look for like things that made me feel that way. I would aggressively do them. Uh, because I think discomfort is growth at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, that, was awesome. <laughs> that, no, that was great. All right. Good. It's, it's cool to hear you talk about, like a lot of times people, when people talk language, like working with other people, they tend to focus on like harmonic or melodic language. But you mentioned it multiple times, like he had a rhythm language that I didn't understand or like, I, it wasn't like quite, I didn't quite get it. Like that's, that's awesome. It's just, it's just cool to hear like someone talk about that. Like, yeah, you got it. Like there's, there is a language of rhythm, right? When you're playing with other people and how do they feel and what, what is, what's their tendencies and, um, all these kind of like little nuances, right. That you can tell once that like, that's sort of the magic when you hear, when you play with cleric, for instance, right. You guys have all played with there so long that it's just like, it's like locked in even when you probably don't think about it, but it's just cause you know each other so well from, and a lot of times it's rhythmic. Um, and we probably, we all listen to it and we're, our jaws drop and you're like, Oh, that was just like, we've been doing that forever. You know? Um, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it was kind of yeah. cool to hear about that. I, I, I don't know if I've ever even thought of it like that. So that was, that was cool. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Larry's another person who's taught me so much. I mean, he taught me how to play at like 25 BPM and shit. You know what I mean? Like, just like, <laughs> that, 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 it's so crazy. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's really great what's happened with Claire. Cause we built this studio and, our bassist house, Dan's house, uh, and we've recorded like 24 songs there since last June. Oh, dang. And uh, there's one song we did that's like this 16-minute like funeral ballad. I mean, it's a cleric ballad, so it's obviously like destruction and chaos, but it's it's like <laughs> at that ballad tempo. And we didn't use a click, and it was like recorded over like multiple weekends because it's such a big song. And like I, I like put the click in the dot, and it just didn't move. He didn't move like the entire time. That's There's like all these weird tuplet parts where he doesn't, he's not riding the symbol and motherfucker just didn't move. And I just like, I sent him a text like, bro, like you literally like all those weekends, you were just like hypnotized on this tempo and it's a slow tempo. I think it's like 72 or something. And that's like, it's really hard to do that with no click. So like, you know, the stoicism Larry has in his tempo is just completely profound. Like, and, and it's not about like, he can play fast, but like it's, it's, you know, playing slow is a lot harder, especially like consistently oh, yeah, and just an audience feel it. That's like a really hard thing to do it's with no click. And I think, you know, Larry helped me feel that sort of dotted whole time. If you like, you know, like tied whole time, it's like beat, it's like half the speed of whole time. That's where Larry feels beats sometimes. And it's just like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, always south of 50 BPM. He's like, oh, that's where you want to ride the stigma. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. It's like, it's like, he's like literally turning the speed down on a dog, you know, like, yeah. you know, 50% slower. Like, it just feels like that when you play, you know, cause we, we, we all loved obviously neurosis and conate and uh, ISIS and all that stuff. And Larry loved Connate, especially this one album, Things Bureau. And uh, just all the dead air space, the tension that creates mm -hmm. before the next hit. It's like so much more tension than if you went, it's like just going, 
And it's like, oh my God, when's the next hit? When's the next hit? It's like you're like falling right. through space. Yeah. Uh, so we wrote, we, you know, that was the Clark thing. It's like mix both worlds, like the quantum world with the mountain world, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Perfect description of it, though. It really, yeah. I mean, like when I, I first saw you guys, Kim introduced me to you guys when we met in school around like 2006. And then we saw you guys play at Annabelle's. I don't remember. It, was it like seven or eight? 2007 or 8 when we saw it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was probably like, that. It was December 2007. Yeah. Was it? We okay. were like loud as shit and hyper obnoxious <laughs> at that point. Yeah. It was. But the thing, it's like I listened to the CD and then I was like, all right, this seems like, you know, it's kind of at the, my frame of reference at the time was like, all right, it's like nine inch nails, but taken to the outer atmosphere oh, cool. of chaos. Awesome. And then I was like, yeah. all right, how are they going to pull this off live? Was the first yeah. thing going through my head. Yeah. And then you guys started and I was like, all right, I'm going to need a wheelbarrow for my jaw. Cause <laughs> oh, it, yeah. <laughs> cause like, it wasn't just that you were pulling it off. It was that it was unbelievably tight. It was, I'm like sitting there at, for years later, introducing guys to your music being like, no, you don't get it. When they play this live, it is on point this is not chaos this is absolutely disciplined playing together experience no there's nothing like flimsy about this and that's the thing that gives it this underlying structure that seems like at the very end of it it's all in one sense your structure is the mountain but when you're listening to it you have this quantum thing to use both your terms of this chaos that seems to come forth and until you I, and in one sense, I'd say it, it, until you experience it live, it's almost like you don't get the depth of how well it all clicks together. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, we're definitely proud of that because people still love regressions and retro. But I definitely feel that way. I, I don't feel that it's matching the live experience of being in the room with the yeah. like, you know, the sub bass and just the noise and the, the volume filling your body and Larry's 27 inch China symbol. I mean, <laughs> to really do that thing justice, it's 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 like you got to be in the room with it, you know. Like, um, well, I appreciate everything you said so much, and that is one thing that we try to do with cleric is like have like a mountain phrase implied, and then within it, these like fractal quantum yeah. things happening. So it's like a multi-dimensional uh, thing going on where there's like you know maybe there's a, a doom riff under everything. There might be some like tuplet thing within there. You know, there's a sort of a micro polyrhythm. There's a little sample. There's some crazy keyboard texture. So it's all this micro and macro stuff at the same time <laughs> that I think makes it work. And then just the extremes, like, right, like going ultra quiet to just like bombs, like just trying to make bombs go off. Like, I don't think that that's an approach. I hear that often in, in, in just in metal is like where they're just trying to achieve like this sonic, right. you know, it's a sonic thing as much as it's technical. We're really trying to get that sonic thing going on, you yeah. know. And I appreciate it all everything you said. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I think really uh, what's what's fascinating <laughs> about the like, so we was just dive into cleric. Like, <laughs> if, if you haven't heard cleric, cleric's like the greatest metal band ever at this point, basically. Like, well, now, yeah. Now, now you made them hate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. But that's good, right? It's good press. I'll press. No, but I mean, like, it's like the. A lot of metal bands, like you kind of, they they kind of fit in these, um, you know, these cookie cutter sort of things, and then even all the timed stuff, right? It's like, 
um i don't know i'm gonna pick on gent or something right now like that whole like like no, it's a very specific it's a spe- spe- specific kind of way of a, approaching rhythmic stuff and it's almost it's almost become boring because it's so predictable in the type of rhythmic language it is using we use that term um even though it's impressive in a lot of ways and then you look at like speed metal death metal all these, the, there's a there's a time thing where it, it's almost like it is played to a click it's very tight in that sense but like cleric what i hear um that's fascinating and i think maybe this is a bit what adam was alluding to when you see it live is like there's tempo shifts and there's all these kind of like this very like organic sense of time but it's super tight um, like you said, if you put it against the metronome yes. in certain sections, yeah, those yeah, would be that's tight. All deliberate. Yeah, and it's all it's all tight. But yeah, it's like it's a very organic. Like it's somehow organic in a world of metal where it's not yes. or- organic, right? It's like this very specific. You got to fill it this way. I, I don't know. It just always seems to me when I listen well, to one yeah, of the well, tracks, that, that it just evolves and it, it grows in like almost like a a great classical piece of music. Like uh, from from all the especially twentieth century stuff, right? Where the it's always expanding, contracting, and all these kind of things are happening, and there's there's oh. underlying themes and whatever are all going on. I don't know. I, I keep rambling, but no, I appreciate it's the time that. thing that's like really fascinating. Um, on top of all the other stuff that's going on. Um, yeah. Well, I think again that goes back to what I'm saying about Larry, where he's kind of got this wizard thing with the time. Yeah. It's very rough to come by, especially you know. I mean, we're definitely, you know, I don't get too much into this, but we're definitely all Xennials in the band, which means, you know, I didn't, I really just, just missed the internet thing when I was yeah. in high school. I do think it's fair to say that's different than straight up millennials. And I do think that, you know, not older millennials from the nineties, but maybe millennials that were born from 2000 on, they grow up playing to the computer. They grow up with the quantization and I'm not yeah. making a total blanket statement here um but like there's certain guys who it's just like it's in it's inner and you listen to them and their time you know and it's better than quantized because i mean i I just feel like quantized only works for like a very narrow like slab of styles of music and the majority of music like if you want organic i don't feel that quantized will give you what you're talking about. And I think Larry just has that naturally right. because like in doom sections, it's almost like he'll conduct us sometimes when the next hit comes. And it is like some of the hardest shit to do. I mean, I remember Aloe Triophagy, the first track on regressions, like we got through the first 12 minutes cause we played it for years in like an hour or so. Like just, it literally took no time in the studio. And that doom section took like three hours, which is just a one riff that loops four times, but it's so goddamn slow. And then it's just, it's like, it was just so fucking insufferable to record that thing. And, and like, uh, and Khan was making jokes about it. Like how it's like, it's funny. It's like all this quantum hyper tech shit. It's like drop this 16th note here and oh, and then do the palindrome. Oh, and then, and then, then make it one longer, like all, and it's like, that's no problem. It's like printing it. 
You know what I mean? And yeah, then right. the Doom song, the Doom part that has all this dead air that goes for miles. You're like, where's the sign? It's like, it's already gone. And you're like, you're already missed it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's really, that's a, uh, I don't think you need to get that kind of vibe for like the vortexy. Yeah. I noticed lately I'm really attracted to this sort of vortexy, like, oh, where's the ground? Oh, God. You know, and I, I think Cleric has already kind of achieved that within the sort of tightness of the like, you know, this is a, it's this feeling, it's like about to burst. And then we go into those parts and it just spreads out to infinity. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, what you hope is this sort of gives this sort of serenity. You know, and I've seen sort of comments, certain comments about regressions online about that. How it's just this is like, deep violence into deep serenity into like peace and sadness and it's just like yeah i mean yeah it's like we're trying to make like a tv show and the full tv show like each song is an episode that's why it's not like a b a c b done yeah b a you know what i mean like, like it's, it's just not filling in a template it's exploratory and it's like oh what story is this telling and maybe we're like looking outwardly for that answer you know what I mean? And that's what enables that to even take place. Whereas if like quantize it, play the click, oh, you you waited a little longer on this hit. So no, try again. It's like the point is if he waits longer, Larry, you know, into the, the doom hit, like that's going to be, it's going to feel like more. It's going to, you know, it, yeah. and the thing is like, if you're doing that something, some, some drummers I play with, they don't do that deliberately and it really doesn't sound good for sure. So I'm not making like it's stuff that you have to do deliberately and know what you're doing exactly. Uh, but Larry does. And, and he's, you know, that's what gives it this sort of organic thing because he's more of a jazz drummer than a metal drummer. I mean, he can't do a lot of the gravity blast shit and, you know, blast for an hour and a half straight in a set. Yeah. He couldn't do that. Like that's not his style. Like it's much more like, primus and tool and like you know he loves nile but he can't do that you know right. you know but then you know we opened for nile and and george Colias was like what the fuck like he could not believe larry he didn't know what we were doing and thomas hawk has seen us before and was like you're insane people he didn't know what we were doing i mean part of me feels insecure hearing that but like they both liked the album and that like like Colias tweeted about it and he loved Larry and they said that we were one of the best openers they ever had. And so, but like we watched their set and Larry's just losing his goddamn mind because he could never do that because it's just a different thing. And this was, again, it goes back to the language thing, you know, approaching drums like that is going to lead to that. Larry thinking the way he does is going to lead to, to what the other stuff we're talking about. But I don't yeah, think Colias sure. could hang with a lot of that stuff. Cause you'd be like, what are you guys even doing? What is this part? You know, it makes total sense to us. But that's why it's not really a metal band in a weird way. It's just a la it's a heavy band. Yeah, no, that's but fair. I don't consider the music metal strictly is because it baffles metal people. I see it on their face, so it's not. It's like a you know, a, it's an anti-rock berry. You know, I think it's fair to call it a uh, rock and opposition band. I've seen people say that online, mm. compare it to Henry Cow and say rock and opposition. I think that's totally fair. It's an anti-scene band. Sure. It's even anti-avant-garde. I mean, it's like we're we're not accepted in the avant-garde, not at all. They're they're not into the death metal distortion and the palm muting and the bit crusher. They don't want that, you know. So it's no matter what we're in, we're just we're always like, oh, this is dangerous. There's no way to like, you know, control this and rein this in. Yeah. It's like by definition not reined in. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and it's kind of what makes me giddy about it. That's why I'm still doing it because I feel like I haven't even reached the 
ceiling with that at all. I feel like I'm just kind of figuring out that that's what it's about. So that's, and again, you know, to have a different model instead of going through years of like, play this in a room. No, I mean, before we had the doll, we like literally in Owl Trilogy, we named each riff. We were just we used to just like slog together in a room and have to name the parts and you know since last June since we had a studio you know we always had the ability to get songs together way quicker it, it just the model wasn't there so you know we had two albums already done uh, in, a, in a year and I mean one of them is completely done one of them I'm mixing right now and uh, oh my god it was like such long sagas before that I think it was even longer to make retro it's like ridiculous. Like you can't go on like that, you know? So I'm just excited to not be in that old model. And it, it doesn't make any sense to do that. With the so way do, do you remember things. how to play all the songs that you guys recorded this year? <laughs> uh, probably not. But like when I, when we make the set list, I'll deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least oh, you have the tracks to listen to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, how do you, in that realm of composition where you're on the edge of like, formal writing and improv consistently how exactly do you chart something like that you know for lack of better terms is it like a full transcription do you have sections and just kind of like be like oh yeah that was this thing that's written out over here but this i kind of got under my fingers how do you approach relearning those particular tracks for a tour or whatever well at this point i'm kind of getting into guitar pro and like even with retro and the masada album after that I wasn't doing that. It was just the shit I did. Like, I remembered the songs. You know what I mean? Like, I could hum them, and I they, they were memorable to me. So I didn't really, like, I only wrote the stuff down that I was like, that's really complicated. I don't want to remember that. And uh, But a lot of it I just remembered. Uh, it was just based on what I could remember, which I realize now is terrible because that's always changing. So now I'm getting into, like, you got too many things going on you need to write everything down and it's just better way of working. So I don't even like practice a song with someone until I have like a transcription and a map for them. So I've been using guitar pro, um, but I use Sibelius too. Uh, if I want to do more like Tupley stuff, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, not a lot of the cleric stuff is written down, but I'm pretty sure regression stuff, honestly, you know, it's a lot of parts, but I played those songs like just so many times. It's like ridiculous. Like, like I, I played that stuff too much. I mean, maybe the stuff in the last five or six years, that's, it's more what you're talking about where like, I probably don't remember a lot of it. Um, but all the Zorn stuff is written down. And I just realized that like, I'm just going to start doing that with my own stuff. Uh, just so I don't have to do that anymore. So yeah, right. the parts, like, what is that chord? What did I do? And it kind of slowly comes back. Um, but it's weird. I, I don't know why, but I just have no trouble remembering 
everything from regressions. I, I mean, I know it's like 80 minutes of information, but it's just literally, we just did it for, it just felt like 10 years straight or so. I mean, it wasn't, it just, I, I just feel like that's more than I played any amount like songs ever. You know what I mean? So I just think it's just in there. It also, when you think about it too, that stuff happened before I was trying to do all these albums at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I think when you try to do that, you know, it's easier to forget stuff. But at the time, that was basically the main thing. So I, I like lived and breathed those parts and everything had to be exactly perfect. And I thought about it all the time. So, you know, it's almost like old information to me. I don't need to like, but I've, only regressions is really like that. A lot of this other stuff recently, because it's just like, go, go, go. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's lying on the side of the road. I, I don't know what that is. I would totally be at zero if I had to go back. <laughs> but I, yeah, I realize now I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so Matt, something we when I saw you last time, we jammed or whatever, and I realized you tuned in, in C sharp, right? Well, I think maybe that day I was, but okay. I'm always messing around. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I guess do you yeah, have a no, do you, yeah, do you the is always a half step down. Okay. We, we just we just stay half step down. Uh, seven string. Like, and so when you do like the Zorn like, stuff or whatever, you just stay in standard. Is that so? Yeah, when you, that's all standard. So when you read, do you read in standard? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, I was wondering. I you know yeah, you played more, a C sharp, like and I, in my head, I was like, man, is he like? Did he translate the whole thing, and so he just reads in C sharp? But <laughs> no, and no, and um, well, I mean, once in a while, Zorn will be like down two metals. This is you know, drop C. And it's like then I'll then then it's kind of weird, but like I'm not I can't do it in the moment in the, with yeah. those songs, so I make tab ahead of time. But basically everything's standard. Um, but cleric, you know, if we're making tab, it's you know we're making tab and rhythms, so it's not because there's no keyboards or I mean I guess there I mean not in the way that Medeski is a keyboardist and and Nick just tunes half step down. So if we want to write something out, we just pretend oh, nice. it's insane. <laughs> it's just real like weird shit, but whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah. <laughs> just to clarify that I'm picking up what you're putting down, you play a half step down. It's all written in standard notation, but it's kind of like, you know, at the, when you're reading a guitar score, everything's just got the eight below. Everything's heard an octave below what's written. So with your situation, it would be standard notation, but everything's heard a half step low. Well, just time. with with cleric, no one. Uh, well, yeah, I get. Well, no, it would say it was written for Nick. It would just be written standard, and then because his it's really convoluted, but because his keyboard is down a half step, so C would actually be B if I was okay. just giving him a notation. But me and Dan, we don't even do that. We just do tabs with rhythm on top of the tab, and okay. we, and, and we just. Uh, but with Zorn, it is all real music. Um, it just doesn't make any sense for Cleric to do that. It's it's like an extra. I don't know. I don't know why, but we we you know, and also everyone in Cleric likes to memorize. We don't really like to read. We like to just remember a riff and just play it. Yeah. So it's more just like cheats cheat sheets. Whereas like Zorn, it's like there's still stuff I read, you know, and uh, Medeski reads a lot of it still. So because uh, we don't do it enough. Um, so it's, it's a little, it, you know, it makes more sense as the system for that. So uh, what's a typical Zorn thing? Like, yeah. so, he, so a new <laughs> album's coming up, 
right? Or whatever. Does he send you a bunch of new tunes and then do you guys rehearse a couple times and then record or do you just go straight to the studio? Do you, what's the general process there? Uh, well, yeah, generally he sends me an album and it's like a full album and it's usually like 16 to 20 pages and you know, it's a, like, it's like jazz script and Drew composed and then, uh, improv is written in to the scores and he'll say like, you know, fast jazz or he'll write a, that you improvise in a fast jazz and it's kind of open it'll just say fast jazz. It won't be like an actual part and, or, or there'll be like drone and it'll do a squiggly line next to the whole note, you know, and that's supposed to be like open-ended drone and it'll say 30 seconds above it. You know, like just stuff that like, that's like, like stuff I didn't think about that like is writing the improv into the score. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, you know, cause he was really into cage and that's also how, what he's done. If you see his scores from naked city, it's like, it likes the same, it's the same thing. It's like <laughs> the same kind of, it's not like the same ideas, but it's the same way of like, like presenting over, it approaching it and representing yeah. ideas and stuff. And so in single lock there's like some improv stuff that goes on. That's like kind of tropey, right? Like there's advanced sections where those are like anti music kind of sections with a really jerky. I mean, they're supposed to be like Jackson Pollock kind of like everyone plays with staggered rests. So it creates this randomized paint splatter effect. Uh, and then the fast jazz, um, since I'm not used to that shit, <laughs> like just like, like halfway into the discography realized you're supposed to feel it on the upbeat. Uh, which is funny. So like my, my contribution to that is to be real disjunct and like, I'm trying to play fast jazz, but I can't quite do it. Right. Uh, that's the vibe for a lot of my <laughs> stuff. Mazeski's obviously dis destroying all that stuff. Yeah. It really plays to his strengths. And then there's the, you know, then there's solo forms, uh, which we've gotten more into lately, uh, it's more mature or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, you know, like, uh, I go eight E flat sus for four. And, you know, like F sharp, so, you know, G flat sus for four, E flat sus for two, you know, it's, it's repeat, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys, do you, do you guys do rehearsals and stuff too, or? Does oh yeah. So sorry. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. well, I'll, I'll get, I'll get to get the score together and then I'll meet up with Kenny twice tops, never more than twice. I mean, there was a point where we did it, you know, uh, we like wrote beats ahead of time and he, he's already hated all the beats we wrote. So we just, we just stopped doing that. Cause it was just a waste of time. Cause he's, you know, so it's weird cause you want to prep past a certain point, but you don't want to prep too much. Cause then it's like wasted, you know, it's like a certain Creative type of energy or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very much feels like almost like a, live gig when you're there because it's all within two days and then you mix the third day and then that's it so there's a feeling of almost like it's almost like it's gambling or something yeah so i'm like a nut like right before that like i like do experiments at home with my tone and stuff and i've had a couple misfires where it's like it still ends up being fine but it's like yeah if it was up to me i would reamp the guitar and i would try right. to get a better pump. but like it's just not what it's about it's more just about like what happens there in the moment, you know, yeah, that's um, 
And I realized like, that's what's cool about it. Uh, the trick is to just not tie your identity to the album too much. It's just be like, it is what happens. You know, the cleric stuff is what I go crazy on and make perfect, you know? Yeah. Well, it's cool. I mean, that's like, uh, I talk about Coltrane a lot. Like uh, he's probably my favorite, like just musician in general. I don't know, whatever, at least today. But I mean, in overall, if I'm really honest, is the person like I can dive back into all the time. But I, I think like, man, if he would have grown up in our era, you know, yeah. we would have got like three albums. <laughs> but luckily, uh, because you know everybody, it would have been like every three years or every four years, put out an album. Right, and he would have died, right, and we wouldn't right. we wouldn't have ever seen like this progression of all the stuff that he did. But I, right. like at the time, it was like I don't know how much say he had, and I imagine not that much say. He would come in, they record a day, you know, and then they record another, day, and then the record people would just put the albums out, and probably didn't yeah. even like run it by him, you know. I, I doubt he even knew what it sounded like before it got released a lot of times. And it kind of, it kind of sucks in a way, right? As a musician, you're like, man, that would suck. But we're like, we're blessed with these things that just happen, you know, like we, we get these like pictures of that moment and where he was progressing right. or exactly. what things he was working on and like how it was developing and what stuff got dropped and what stuff kept going I guess when I see that, that's I'm a huge fan of improv as well, obviously. Um, but that's that's the magic of it. Like it's this, like maybe it's not perfect. Maybe if you would go back, you would have redone it like 20 times. But it's also like that's where you were with that thing that day, and that's kind right. of awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just a different philosophy than like. I don't know when I make a cleric album, I feel like I'm making a movie or something. Yeah, right. It's like every little scene, it's like everything, like the whole, it's just, it seems like way different, you know, than just going in and this is what you did that day. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, it's like schemes. It's like long scale schemes with cleric more than, uh, more than that, which is like, you know, before meeting someone, there's like one improv solo on regressions and it's like supposed to just be noise and like, Cumberbund solo is improv, I think, and that's it. It's just like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> I wasn't putting that in my music. Nope. Yeah. It's like immediate. Like by the end of retro, we're kind of unhinged maniacs because we ran out of our plan, and Larry's just playing, and you really hear the the real violence and the ecstasy, and that's what I realized about Zorn's approach. I, I took a little bit of that because I, I try not to like over plan since meeting him because I realized it actually shuts expression down um you know one of these records we did was uh we did a 19 song record for zorn it's only 41 minutes which is pretty cool so it's all these really short pieces hmm. we kept mixing up the instrumentation so it's like 19 tracks so some tracks are like three three guitars drums other tracks are like two guitars keyboard drums you know some there's one song that's two basses one guitar uh, so it's just all over the place. Um, but I remember just cause you got to produce yourself, you know what I mean? If, if you do the DIY thing, that's one of the hardest parts is like keeping your emotions out of it and really trying to judge clearly when you have finite energy left and trying to put energy towards that. It's definitely hard, but we just consistently as a group during that bagatelle sessions, we would just always pick the unhinged maniac take over the tight slick take. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. there's like Larry has the ability because he's so good to sound tight while sounding loose, and that's kind of what you're talking about. And like, like him sounding like Thomas Hawk or Danny Carey is boring, and like it's actually like dumbing him down. He's much more like a Zach Hill type personality on the drums, and yeah. like you're not gonna like get that to come out. Uh, by just over planning everything in this like OCD way. Like like those musicians are very OCD and they should do that. But Larry's like unhinged and wild. It's much more like Dionysian kind of shit. And, you know, like it, it, it has to be unleashed. You can't just be like, play this part. I mean, one mistake we made on Retro and you can kind of hear this when you listen to it is the like everything until the last two songs had a hyper plan like that was you know, programmed like Larry programmed the drums and, you know, but like we made a plan that was like very specific and Larry was trying to reach that level of the plan, but the plan didn't always relate to what he was good at doing. You know what I mean? And he's, it's still a great record. Um, but that's the one thing that's different than regressions is regressions. We were on a room and we just went naturally with what felt right. And we were kind of disconnected from that when we were writing retro and it was weird to be doing Zorn at the same time and realize all this stuff about philosophy, realizing like expression is above tightness in terms of artistic value. Like yeah. anyone can play a part tight and then yeah, quantize it. A computer it can post. do it, right? I mean, a computer can do it. So, so literally like you want the unhinged shit that you're like, you can't program that. Listen yeah. to that. It's insane. You know, and that's like, we would always pick those takes into bagatelles you know, over the like, this is really solid and tight. It's like, yeah. so, so what? It's as boring, you know? Like, and I mean, this is coming from someone I love with sugar and I love, yeah. I can appreciate King Crimson and I, you know, I love, uh, I, I understand that prog OCD approach. That's fine, but that's just blatantly not the musicians we are. You yeah, know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. If you got any, haven't got anything else out of this interview, <laughs> you must check out Larry Kordowitz on, uh, all this stuff, man. He's just monster mm -hmm. drummer, monster musician. Um, so if, next time you listen to the cleric records, just like hone in on the drums for a while. If you can, man, it's just yeah, like a study and <laughs> creativity. And like you said, unhinged brilliance or something. Yeah. yeah and I'm not, I can't call him brilliant cause he's, you know, I'm biased, but I, I do think, you know, as philosophy, you know, any, I think just the expressive takes come from almost an anti-tightness. It's like, you know, you're deliberately pulling back on this beat and then you're pushing ahead on the next one and you're, you're making people notice it because it's yeah. not stiff. You know what I mean? Quantized is like, why am I like, it's, it's background music, right? Like, I, I don't know. That's just where I'm kind of at with terms of philosophy. Yeah. And, uh, retro making retro and doing the drum programming for the first time and going through that, which is almost like a gent approach. I hesitate to use that word, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like that. There's enough. It's more like a, it's a different style than that, but it, you know, it's approached in that way and it just gives it this stiffness that regressions didn't have um, because you don't program improv parts. You know what I mean? Like, like, so you don't realize that. So like, you know, an aloe, it's like first two and a half minutes, there's like just this volatile, like it's about to burst, it's about to burst. And then when that first like free hit comes in, just the, the whole world, just like the ground falls out, it's just open space. Like, I don't think I would have come up with that 
with Larry on, on the computer using the drum machine. Like, I think yeah. we needed to be in the room, hearing the amp, and just be like, oh, wow, listen to that. Just hold the note. You know, because because the MIDI sound doesn't feel yeah, like right. anything. Yeah. And there's an aspect of, like, the sound creates the part. And, like, when you're just, like, these dinky, terrible guitar MIDI sounds, they're like, these rhythms would be cool when I play. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. But it's definitely it's, always it's better, cool enough, right, than the MIDI. You know? But, yeah, it has yeah. Not if it's all I mean, I mean, it's content. good to have the map, but the map is not the territory. Yeah, you know yeah. that's my that's what I'm really at. It's like the map is not the territory. If you make it sound like it's quantized and you play it like that, that sucks. It just sucks. It's like, what's the point? You know, <laughs> that's just where that's just where I'm at with this. I think Zorn kind of made me see that because it's like he would always pick. Be like, but I missed the downbeat. He's like, so fucking what? You know, or I remember this is, I don't mind telling this story because I think it's funny and it actually helped me a lot. And again, it goes to like discomfort is growth, like doing the third record for him Inferno. And it was like, I was really trying to impress him. So I like worked out all these like pre improv schemes ahead of time based on the written part. But of course it didn't pan out that way. So I was being like hypermodal and like self-conscious you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah and like he fucking hated it and like and he literally was like man what are you doing playing scales like scales are old school it's like like that's like from the 50s and shit don't play scales it's like play shapes moods textures and i'm like oh yeah and like we ended up like i didn't do this squealing thing with the whammy and like speeding up and slowing down over the vamp just randomly when i felt like it and just realizing, like, it's this Dionysian thing. You know, it's like Apollo and Dionysus. Apollo hated Dionysus because he could never make art as good as him. And, you know, they represent two spirits in the human psyche. Like, Apollo is the spirit of, like, reason and order and predetermination and self-consciousness, and which is good for some things. But madness is useful, right? Like, Dionysus is about madness and about ecstasy and intoxication and like that is more what Zorn's about. And I realized like approaching cleric, cleric is more of a Dionysian vibe and as fucked up as Meshuggah is sounding, you know, thinking about the way they approach the music, that's a, that's, that's Apollo, uh, Apollonian, right? Like that's more yeah. order, reason, very OCD, everything hyper-organized, very planned. You know, you could even see, you could say that about a lot of these bands that influenced me growing up. But I realized that the magic is kind of in this unhinged confusion that gets randomly caught in the session. You know what I mean? Like, you were talking about how you look at the songs like kind of like movies. And I wonder now a little bit, and you see it, you see it sometimes, but you don't really get a behind the scenes look. Like are some of the best movies we see, like how much freedom is given that lets the actors, you know, play the character that they've created or whatever that we, we might think was scripted or we might think was totally planned out or even like the camera angle. Like a lot of times those things seem so like specific, right? But maybe a lot, I bet if you talk to a lot of directors or something, especially the ones who make more epic things, right? That there's probably an element of chance, right? That helps give it, the sort of madness or whatever that, that makes it more appealing where if they tried to write every little thing that it was doing might, they might miss out. 
Well, I, I, I'm at the point now where I know that I would miss out and, and it gets into like, I'm taking more influence now from my subconscious and sorting out subconscious elements and organizing them after the fact. But I, I'm at the point where I don't think my conscious mind can imagine stuff that's as neat uh, and as interesting as the subconscious can. And I try to, at this point, just get out of the way and catch a lot of it. And there's times where I just put on the click and I'll play for like 40 minutes. And, you know, maybe there'll be three things in there that happen once. And I'm like, there it is. And it's like, you can tell it like really stands out like this golden thing. And I've realized that that stuff, I get more novel stuff and it ends up being stuff that I would never think of. Like, I wouldn't think of it. Like, I know that. So I'm really trying like this idea of like being, you know, connected to this sort of translocal environment, like music, a continuum that's really mostly in our subconscious. That's why we all hear songs when nothing's playing. You know, it's really in the sky, it's above earth, it's in another dimension. It's like, I think the subconscious is like way more connected with that because the problem with the conscious mind is it wants to believe the ego is like this king thing and like I'm the cleverest person to ever exist. That's what like we all want to believe about ourselves, but it's just not true. And I think the, at least for me, like it's more like it's fishing, you know what I mean? And it's like, I try to just not tie my identity to what comes back and just sort out the gold from the shit and just take the gold and mine the diamonds and then just slowly, you know, and build, build a thing up. But I think if the root comes from the subconscious, it's freed from this sort of like, I mean, you know, I really love Terrence McKenna. He really helped me out in my twenties. And he, he obviously, he always said, culture is not your friend. And I totally think that's true when it comes to, you know, this sort of our cultural hangups kind of get in my way. Cause I'm really looking for that like alien thing that makes you go like, Whoa, you know, but then it seems like this, like you're in a new space. Like I'm looking just for this sort of breakthrough the membrane kind of stuff. And I just don't think I can sit here and think of something and like try to think of something. I think I have to just open my mind up and like cast it out, bring a bunch of shit back and find that like little diamond, you know, the literally these phrases will happen once. You know, yeah. and that's just really been my approach the last few years um, because it was just take, it took me fucking forever to write shit. I mean, I don't know how you guys, your progression is. It's taken me less time now, but literally took me like five years per album. And I just don't, oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I just don't want to do that. So I just want, I just wanted to come up with another system that wasn't so hyper self-conscious and, you know, if I don't know why I played something, it's easier to like not be like, but I did that. You know what I mean? And then I can actually like mold it and not tie my identity to it and really make it objectively powerful, you know, because I'm noticing it's objective power within all the other stuff that's going on in that improv or whatever. So I don't know. Hopefully this is making sense, not too complicated. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. No, just to interject one point on your movie analysis of like improvising the movie scene. That's that famous scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indiana Jones shoots the guy. That was yeah. totally like unscripted and they both just acted it out like on the spot. Like the, the other guy didn't know that in, he, Harrison Ford was going to like grab for the gun and just do it. But he just like he saw it and he did, did the jump back. They had to add the, if I'm remembering right, they had to add the sound effect of the gun 
after the fact because yeah. and, wow. just feel like it's like that's it that's the scene done wow. you know it's like so you see you are, gotta imagine the best directors they they have to have some element of chance that they allow you know in their productions well i mean yeah, maybe I, not everybody but a lot of them at least but there's there's certain directors that like won't tell actors the plot like they're not meant to know aspects of the plot oh yeah so sure. surprise when it happens like i know david lynch likes doing that like everyone's in the dark or like stanley kubrick did one scene in shining like 80 times like someone just walking through a door and and, and he wanted to get them to that point where they were just beaten down and he mm -hmm. saw it on their face and no one else around him knew what you know what I mean? He was like, doing. Really, it. we're gonna do another like, one. You have it. You have it. Like, I mean, he's like, and he wanted everyone there to feel that because that's what he wanted to capture. Right. And it's like again, you know, it's like get a strategy and schemes, like like strategy to enable uh, randomized mystical things to happen. Uh, I've kind of gotten more into that, like since you know the sort of OCD, like. Let me follow Tool and Meshuggah and the Gent guys for a second. It's like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, it's like, it's way more like the random shit. It's way more exciting. You know, some alien stuff can come in that you're just like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, period. Like, no way. Yeah. You know, and like, like again, like performances too. It's like some of the best shit in retro is when it's like, all right, we ran out of drum parts. So just feel this part. And it's just like, holy shit. Why did we write any of the drum parts? <laughs> like literally like that's what everyone's reaction, like in the last two tracks of that are just like, we shouldn't have written one drum part on this. Seriously. Should just give them a click, let them imagine it. Like no plan. Right. Like I just realized that we went too far. You know what I mean? And I love retro, but, uh, that that my one issue with it that's that it's like you could tell it was hyper planned and uh it's not unhinged enough as crazy as it sounds uh, <laughs> i want more unhinged you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but yeah that expression is better than titus that's just the bottom line it's expression way above titus and i think even with the random person that isn't a musician i think that's also true i think they notice it more yeah i agree yeah i think it's a total authenticity thing yeah exactly because they feel you oh they're like feeling something they notice that mm -hmm. we're just playing something tight you know it's, it's almost like the way Meshuggah writes it's like you feel the part because of the way it's written more than the way they feel it because they're just playing it you know i mean i'm being hypercritical right now but and it's not even critical but it, it just goes to the point of like express the part don't recreate the part I think there's a difference, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't think I was that clear on that for a long time. It's just, you know, it's almost like your rock band gets into like your cover band of yourself. You know, <laughs> you do the same thing. Over you mean over. like a new Tool album? I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, no, but no, that's not. That's <laughs> not. I mean, everyone's thinking that, and you know, there's that's. Here's the thing with that too is like I see both sides because you know. I get it. So I've heard that from people say about Simeon Lockham. It's like, I don't need another da 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 da. Right? And it's like, you, if you're being hypercritical, you can pick out all the elements where it's just like, they're just repeating that element. You know, but like, the point Zorn made to me, which I agree with, is like, if you listen to Mozart or Beethoven, it's kind of a similar thing. You know, yeah. they're repeating lots of this. It's like a language. So it's like, I realized, like, I. I, I even was like at a certain point, like why is why is every part dun dun dun? Like right, like just just leave out the first note even. Go like dun dun, 
You know, <laughs> so well, everything dun 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 dun. And I realized it's not about dun 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 is his rhythmic stamp. And then he'll do the real phrase after dun 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 dun. And that's always different. So it's just like the style of music. That's Zorn. We're playing Zorn, not blues. You know, it's like blues has tropes too, right? Thrash metal has tropes. This is the Zorn trope, right? There's probably cleric tropes, but a bum. That's a cleric trope. But what do we do after that, right? So there's. I started to realize, like, just compositionally, the thing up front is a stamp, and you know, it's it's like when you're making that many albums. It's it's a little reductive to, to to just focus on that because it's not it's not only about that right like and yeah, after sure. that and so even I, I just I just like thinking about that because it's like you know it is about making a language some of it might sound similar that's fine I mean a lot of Slayer's discography sounds similar right Iron Maiden one six seven forever right like <laughs> it's forty years of that like I mean. Metallica, Locrian, and Phrygian. Yeah, I, I mean, think the, something to the to the. It's a language because there's only twelve notes, so it's, you know. Yeah, I think I think when it would I got just to pick on Tool because why not? Um, I actually like, when like when that I, album more than Ten Thousand Days. If I had to uh, pick between the two, I think that. Would, that oh, I, I agree with you there. I guess what yeah, I yeah. noticed though, like when I listen to <laughs> Cleric, right? I I hear. Uh, I hear you evolve because the things you listen to evolve. You're talking about evolving by playing with Zorn. Like you've had experiences, things you might have listened to as a kid, you don't listen to as much anymore at all. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's all kinds yeah. of new stuff that, and then it, it, right. it soaks into your playing. Whether you tried to figure it out or not, it just becomes part of you. This subconscious thing. Yeah. Right. But then when you hear the tool thing, it's like, so you're telling me in the last 10 years, 15 years or whatever, <sighs> You haven't listened to anything new. It's like, funny you it say affected that, that the was, way that, that you played. Really, right. That was really my takeaway too, honestly. I mean, that, that like I like that album more than 10,000 Days, but my main takeaway was like either they're like terrified to take one harmonic risk right. or they literally haven't listened to music right. since like 2004. That's what I'm thinking. Like, that's kind of what I like think. Like people that never, yeah, like but, it's hard but to it imagine. Also, that St. Anger thing where they're like, it just has to be the perfect version of Tool. Yeah. And they might be on this branding thing because it just happened over time and like they can't help it. They, they, they only play that kind of music. So that's all they know how to play. Yeah. You know, I'm forced into these different realms. You know, so I'm like, okay, I'm pulled over here. Now I'm pulled back. Now I'm pulled back. Now it's, it's like they're constantly different perspectives. So it's building up. And then maybe yeah. I stop doing a band and I do a new band. And I guess that, that to me is the main thing. It's like these bands like Tool, Metallica, you know, they've been around for decades or dinosaurs. It's like, to me, I see these bands as like, you know, Cleric's kind of that for me, but, but everything else, you know, in a way, it's almost like do it like a TV show. Like, you know, TV shows don't yeah, go there's for a formula it. for it and everything. Right. And any baking, breaking bad or, or game of Thrones or, you know, True Detective, they, they go for when they should stop and then they stop and that's it. They're not coming back because that's the story. And I think it's fine for a band to do that um, and for a band to end when it should end. You know what I mean? It's like, obviously, I, I don't want certain bands to end, but I just think it's like, it's more like a like that model makes more sense to me than these bands that go oh, for Oh, I like see what you're saying, yeah. Four, so like, you were years. supposed to do six seasons, six seasons, it's over. Everybody exactly. goes on to do something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If bands yeah. could get more into that kind of thing, I think it's just a better approach. And then it would, be, and it is kind of a little like the avant-garde because people just are constantly working with each other just to see what happens. 
Um, and I would, you know, if, if people weren't so concerned about marketing and like, right. you know, like Danny Carey hasn't really done much else but tour, right? Like I would love to hear him do like play with Ivo Papazov or play with some totally different type of musician that is, does odd times or, yeah. you know, he's done other stuff, obviously he played with Primus a little for that last tour, but generally like they stay insulated like in that. their, yeah. yeah, but they like stay insulated in their comfortable worlds yeah. and they don't take risks. And, you know, there's, I, I still, have, you know, I feel successful artistically, but I'm not, you know, I'm not that monetarily successful, not enough that I feel like there's any stakes whatsoever. So what's it to me to change my style up? Right. Yeah. But like what, like a band like tool is like, well, yeah, there's a I lot, mean, you know, a lot of people you have to this. feed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Or, or like Metallica is like all these roadies, they're unionized. Yeah, They probably have 300 people dogs. working for them. Right. Yeah. It's just crazy. And it's like, it, like our fans have to like this riff. It's like, it's all self-conscious after a while. And I, you know, that's the one thing I have enjoyed about being semi obscure and like all the trends of the last 20 years, kind of like, Cleric's just too weird for all of it. It's just like kind of a benefit because it's more like that band, like Cheer Accident or something, or like the Idiot Flesh guys, the Sleepy Time guys. It just goes for decades under the radar. Eventually, people catch on, and it's yeah. not really related to a trend anyway. So I, I prefer that path. Uh, the people I look towards did that. They didn't. They didn't jump on anything. Yeah, yeah they sure. just did their own thing. They made their own world, and it just like stayed insulated. Uh, yeah. That's wow. One of the, the one of the chief words that I keep here popping up in my head during this whole conversation is aleatoric. Is like, what aleatoric? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like chance music, you know, where oh. they uh, that movement. That oh, yeah. And you're kind of on the edge of that, not completely, where there's no form and it's like literally just rolling dice and whatever you get goes onto the page type of thing. It, but it's push to that end for yourself characteristically like you're like you're going to take a chance over here and that and that's not i i don't mean to take a chance but it's like you're moving in this direction to experience something new and push yourself out of, out of the comfort zone